and welcome to Sonic Talk number 249. This is a special edition uh, in which uh, we're not actually live today, um, but we have this uh, pre-recorded interview that uh, I'm, I'm about to do with um, composer Mike Leghorn, or Arranger. Mike, um, you are, whereabouts are you based? You're, uh, you're in the States, right? So this is very early in the morning for you. Yeah, um, it is uh, very early. The sun hasn't quite come up. Um, I'm in the Chicago area. Ah, okay. States. So um, I just want to say now, I mean, what we're, the reason we're talking to Mike is because you may have seen uh, there's been a couple of uh, links on Synthetopia and various other places just sort of showing that Mike has been working on an arrangement of Hulse the Planet, and it's actually a really very impressive body of work so far. So far you've done Mars, Mercury, and Jupiter, right? That's, uh, that's I've, I, 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 I wanted to know, I mean, what, what, what sort of inspired you to do this? Well, um, you know, I, I first started with uh, Mercury as an experiment, um, not really thinking that I was going to do all of the planets. And, um, you know, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. Um, it, it was just an experiment. And um, <clears throat> after working on it for uh, a couple of hours, I was um, surprised at how, how good it sounded. And... Uh, uh, and I, I just plowed through Mercury. Uh, I, I, I selected Mercury uh, because that was the simplest of the, of the planet. And um, I, I plowed through that. I finished it in a week. I mean, I was just so so motivated and so inspired by it. It just sounded so cool to me. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I can do some more. And I, I sent a friend uh, a link to the music, and, and he said, please do the rest of them. So... Um, I said, okay, I'll, I'll try to do the rest. So, well, let's have a little. Uh, do you mind if I play a small clip of Mercury just to kind of give uh, listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with this a, a brief? Uh, okay, let me just. Uh, so this is. Right, so I'm hearing that that's a fairly complex uh, part, a, a fairly complex movement. I mean, the thing about this whole, st- um, the whole whole suite of planets is, most people, if they have not heard it before, when they hear it for the first time, they realise that there are a whole bunch of classical themes in there that they perhaps have have heard somewhere else. I mean, and they're ve- it's very borrowed, isn't it, as a as a piece? Um, but what I was going to ask you really was. What what approach did you take? Because I mean, classical. Where, did you start from scratch? Did you have a score? I mean, what, how did you kind of begin? Okay, well, uh, a lot of the work was already done for me. Um, I downloaded the uh, MIDI file. Uh, it's pretty easy to uh, find MIDI versions of of these all of the Hulk's planets. Um, so that's what I started with. Um, saved me a lot of work. Right, I can imagine that must have been an uh, immense relief when you discovered <laughs> discovered those. How did you yeah. choose the right mini version? Because, I, I mean, the thing that strikes me about all of this classical stuff is there's lots of movement in tempo and time signature changes and all of that. I mean, how did that work within the context of a mini file? 
Uh, well, the, the ideal MIDI file for me is uh, one that, that doesn't have a lot of, uh, doesn't have any nuances in it. Um, all I want are the notes. Um, I, I don't want tempo changes. I don't want, um, well, I want the notes to be quantized so that if you were to actually look at the MIDI in a, let's say, a staff view, yeah. uh, it, would, it, would look, it would look okay. Uh, so, so actually, musically, the, the MIDI file is is, um, is very lacking. Um, it doesn't have any of the nuances and any of the phrasing or articulation. Um, so, all I want are the notes. And then, what's the next part of the process? I mean, what what do you do then? I mean, do you add that kind of dynamic to it? Because I mean, the thing that I noticed about these recordings is, you know, just even just looking at the waveform on SoundCloud, you know, they're not tube to toothpaste you know they are dynamic and living kind of waveforms there's a lot of uh movement and stuff in there so how did you how did you deal with that yeah that that absolutely is my goal uh you know i want it to be uh, sound like a living piece um so uh and that's the challenge and um so first i start with um you know i, I have a, a a very nice daw digital audio workstation which is sonar x1 mm-hmm um, so I import the MIDI into that, and uh, it's very important to uh, uh, keep the, the project simple. By um, uh, so I create a couple of views um, that I that I that I that I use over and over again. Uh, Are they like templates I, essentially? Yeah, right. In in um, in Sonar, they're called screen sets. This this is the MIDI, and you, you mean look at this. I mean it. It just looks like a mess. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of MIDI in there. Pretty cool looking. Um, so this is all of Jupiter right Whoa. here. That's, that's <laughs> and uh, so this it is looks really like a spectrograph now. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Awesome. So where where do these MIDI files originate from? Um. I have a website. I mean, there's a website I go to. Um, I think it's called classicalarchives.com. Um, uh-huh. And they, they have a, a huge collection of MIDI files. Wow. So somebody has put all of that stuff in. That's incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a, a community thing. You know, people can contribute in MIDI. Um, and... Um, there's no guarantee of, of quality. Uh, in fact, on this MIDI, I mean, although I, you know, I'm extremely appreciative that I was able to um, get a MIDI file, I had to make quite a few corrections to it. Right. Okay. And how, how do you? Um, how do those corrections? T- do you have to refer to an original score to sort of check? Do you double check it against a score, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, it's sort of a combination of having the score and then also uh, having a good pair of ears. Right. <laughs> Uh, so initially, uh, in, in the project, um, you'll see all the MIDI, the MIDI is there, but synth tracks will be empty. And then it's just a matter of, um, copying parts of the MIDI track, um, you know, parts of the MIDI track over to a synth track. So how do you know which notes are the, the right lines within the, uh, within the arrangement? Obviously, if you're dealing with one big MIDI file, are they all on separate MIDI channels? And so you can say, well, this is this line, this is this line, these are the sort of right. lower strip. How does that all work? Yeah, well, um, thankfully, um, 
the MIDI file it already has the parts uh, defined in, in separate tracks. Um, and then um, <clears throat> I rely very heavily on my ear right. um, to know what, um, and it, it's actually, uh, it's just a matter of um, constant trial and error to, uh, to, to, um, to hack at it until, until I get it the way I, I like it. So um, tell me a little bit about your background then. I mean, are you classically trained? I mean, do you have uh, a musical background? I mean, it sounds like you understand the mechanics of this at the very least. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I'm familiar with the planets. I've listened to the planets um, over a thousand times probably, uh, the orchestral version, since, since I was a teenager. Uh, I've had several different recordings of it. Um, and I do have a classical background. That's, um, that's really my, um, um, my emphasis. Uh, that's, that's my foundation is, is uh, classical. What, what do you play? Are you a pianist or a, a string? What, what's yeah, your, I, what I do play the piano and I've also played the violin. Right, okay. So you have an understanding of how those work. In a score score way, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have none personally. I don't. I, it just it's complete mystery to me. So once once you've kind of got this stuff in your door, uh, Sonar X One, as you say, are you then <clears> adding <throat> the fluidity to it then, or do you try and keep it all absolutely locked? I mean, because it, it, it that you know, uh, I don't have like a, a recipe, uh, a strict method for it. Um, I kind of um, work on it as I go. So. Um, uh, like I might, I might do, let's say, ten measures on, on a night, and uh, you know, first copy over the MIDI to the to the um, synth tracks that I like. Do a lot of experimenting, and then I'll use volume envelopes on the synth tracks to start getting the the, the phrasing and uh, articulation and to make it sound more musical. Uh, because um, the thing is. Um, as I work on this, it has to sound good to me. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't sound good, I lose my inspiration. So um, as I'm working on it, I try to make it sound as good as I can. And then, you know, towards the end of, of you know, towards finishing the project, I'll, I'll put in some, you know, some final touch-up. Interesting. And so where do you, what, what do you reach for first of all when you're kind of when you say say for instance with uh with mars when you start if i could maybe i could play a little bit of mars because that's got a very atmospheric beginning are you hearing this by the way coming back yeah i can hear it That's great. That's so filmic. It's. Just, it's. Just, I mean, that must have been a great one to start with. So, where did you start there? I'm guessing you know you wanted the sort of dark. Uh, how, how did you well, begin with that one? Say. Uh, I, I had a lot of um, lot of trial in there. Um, I, I I trashed my work on that many times uh, before I finally settled on what you hear now. Um, you know, the, the goal is, uh, to, for me, is to add value to all, what's already a, a fantastic orchestra, orchestration by Hulse. And uh, so probably five or six times working on the beginning of Mars, um, you know, I, 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 I realized, you know, this is not adding value. So, so I went several different routes. So 
I guess the the short answer uh, is a lot of trial and error. But what, what's the instrumentation that we're hearing there to begin with? I mean, you say you use a lot of you're uh, using software instruments primarily. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Um, and and I made a rule for myself: uh, only uh, only synthesized sounds, no samples. Uh, oh, really? Because it sounded to me in some places like that are actually orchestra. You know, there is orchestra stuff, but so you've, you've designed yeah. all of those. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, that's that's a hard, fast rule for me. No samples. I mean, once you use samples, uh, you're getting into the realm of of, orca- of of an orchestra, and an orchestra can do do its thing much better than any samples can do. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. So tell me, I'm, I want you to tell me what instruments you use. <laughs> what, okay, I'm sorry. You, let's, yeah, ha- let's hear I it. Yeah, um, well, uh, I'm using uh, four synthesizers. Yeah. Um, Zebra, uh, Ace, Ace, and uh, Tyrell. Those three are uh, by Urs Heckman. Right, that makes a lot of sense because it's. I heard that and I thought it was sounding very filmic. And we've uh, actually done an interview with um, the sound designer who came up with a lot of stuff uh, for those synthesizers who worked with uh, uh, Hans Zimmer on uh, some soundtracks called Howard Scar. And he designed a lot of patches for it. And he swears by it. And I know Hans Zimmer absolutely loves it. And the opening of that just sounded so filmic <laughs> to me. And I just thought that that, and that doesn't. So it doesn't surprise me, I guess. And does it... Yeah, actually, probably about a third of the sounds I use are designed by Howard Scott. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, he's my favorite sound designer. I, I'm sure he will be very pleased. He's a regular listener and uh, to, live to the podcast. We often see him in the chat room, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be feeling he'll be beaming with pride. I hope if he gets to hear this. Interesting. Third... And do you do you spend a lot of time um, working on the, the the actual sound yeah. design, or you 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 start with Howard stuff yeah. or? No, I'm not too good at sound design. You just know what you want to hear, and you pick you pick the pre right. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah, I do some tweaking. I'll, I'll tweak the uh, the ADSR envelopes, um, and then also sometimes uh, portamento, uh, just just to, so it so it flows right. But um, other than and then also the, one of the first things I do when I tweak the sound is remove the delay. Right. <laughs> So you do you take the effects off and then reconstruct that in the mix portion of what you're doing, or is that how you tend to work? Uh, yes, uh, I, I try to uh, minimize the use of effects and then only add them uh, very judiciously. Because the one thing I hear, you're using the sort of width and the sonic characteristics, certainly the beginning of that piece of Mars, to create the sense of space. But there are other elements which do, you can hear that there's uh, reverberation and stuff that, that creates additional space and atmosphere around it. Right. Right, I should tell you, I'm also using um, some other effects processors, uh, especially in the beginning there. Um, I do use um, Amplitude by... Um, IK Multimedia. That's right, yeah. right. Uh, and then later on in, the, in a couple other places in the piece, I use... Um, granular effect, uh, which is called um, Ubik-G, ah, also okay. by Heckman. It sounds like you're very much tuned in to what Urs Heckman uh, comes out. It sounds like he's making instruments that are ideally suited to you, so I'm sure he's going to be uh, uh, very pleased to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, my, that's that's the, the start of my whole palette is, is his suite of, of um, 
products, and then um, if I need more, then I'll, I'll go look for more. Interesting. So, I mean, you're in pretty good company when it comes to uh, these th- these kind of orchestrations of Hulse product uh, of Hulse pieces. I mean, obviously, uh, I was listening to the uh, Isotomita, and there was another guy called Ed Starrink who I'd never heard of before. And I, when I was on YouTube, just kind of researching for this interview, oh. and, and they were really interesting <laughs> as well. But yours, uh, the thing that I found is the Isotomita stuff, which is you know they are uh, classic recordings they're still quite uh, there's a bit they're a bit sort of comical in some places and cheesy some of the synthesizer stuff that he uses is is kind of i don't know if it's supposed to be funny but it sort of sounds like it's it's like the funky worm you know but it, and whereas yours is, is is a bit more sort of dark and and atmospheric i mean did you have a, a philosophical approach to that when you were doing it or is it just the way that it's come out because that's the way what what you like as your ear uh, well, I think a little bit of both. Uh, well, for one thing, uh, each of the seven planets is unique. Um, so each one requires a different approach. At least that's, that's how I'm approaching it. Uh, you know, Mars, uh, is, is very, very serious and very gnarly. Uh, there's, there's not much humor in, in Mars. Uh, <laughs> nasty, mean piece. Uh, so that's what I went for. Um, now with Jupiter, um, I think there's a, a lot of humor that I captured in, in Jupiter. Um, so, so each each of the each of these pieces, I'm taking a different approach, but definitely different from from you know. So, are you familiar with? I mean, I noticed that you're um, you're actually part of where I when I went first went looking for you. Apart from the fact that you can be find you on. Uh, MikeLeghorn.com. I just want to give you a plug there. Mike-Leghorn.com. Um, there's also uh, a place which is, uh, let me see, it's at Classitronic. Um, and there's a lot of composers listed there. Uh, and, and a lot of what they do is very much in homage or in the style of some of the people who've gone before, you know, such as Tomita and Gleason and um, you know, that kind of side of things. Whereas you've gone your own way more so. So is that something that's that's been... Something that you've wanted to do specifically to make it very your very own, rather than kind of uh, imitative. Uh, yeah, maybe not intentionally. Um, I think a lot of uh, the, the unique uniqueness that you hear is the result of, of my unique approach and my unique uh, experience in in learning uh, software synthesizers. Mm. Uh, so it, it's sort of a culmination of my uh, experience. Um, with software synthesizers, um, just, you know, over the last few years, I've spent a lot of time, um, just dabbling with, with various, uh, software synthesizers, especially Zebra and Ace and, um, exploring sounds that I really like. And, and I, my ear has developed, um, through, through the, uh, the use of those sounds. And, um, so, so the results with, with these, uh, arrangements is how i hear it in my head um uh, oh, that's the way i mean and it's, i'm glad you do because one thing that i did notice uh, a lot of the people listed on classitronic are 
There's a lot of pictures of them stood in front of um, large modular synthesizers, but very little examples of their actual work, which is something is a, it's it, and it, it, it's just it's it's quite funny because it's so true to type. People with modular synthesizers generally don't get much done because you sort of start and you get lost and then you just kind of come back and you've actually done nothing at all. Whereas your work rate is actually uh, pretty prolific by comparison. How long, does it, how long does it take you to kind of do each of these pieces? Do you tr- approach it in a methodic way, or do you just kind of do it when you feel like it? Do you set yourself a deadline? How do you do that? Uh, with my hectic lifestyle, I have to do it when I feel like it. Um, and um, some take longer than others. Uh, like I said, Mercury took me a week, um, but uh, Mars took about two months, and uh, Jupiter. Jupiter took about a month and a half. Is that because um, Mars has more atmosphere, whereas some of the other ones, they are complex, but they're still, they're, 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 it's more yeah. about just sort of getting the notes in, I suppose. Right. Yeah, Mars is a completely different animal compared to Mercury. Um, and yes, there's a lot of atmosphere, and there's also just a lot of notes. I mean, if you look at the, the score of Mars, uh, there's just so much more going on than, than there is in Mercury. So I noticed that. So how do you how do you kind of bring it all together? Do you mix inside the box, or are you kind of got any? Do you have it hardware? How do you how do you? Uh, how, what is your technical setup? I guess you know you're working on Sonar. Okay. So I'm guessing you're working on PC, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I have a very um, clean, um, streamlined. Uh, setup, I guess you would say. Um, there, there's no, there's nothing, nothing analog. Um, I have a, a laptop, right? Um, which is not ideal. I mean, it would be nice to to have a, a really big monitor, a high res monitor, um, and I have a um, MIDI keyboard. Um, I can hold it up right here. Oh, that's <clears throat> this is uh, your uh, yep, little axiom. Very, very popular. Yep, the axiom. 49 key. <clears throat> Another thing that, um, well, I should say right off, a uh, uh, very high priority for me is uh, the quality of my sound system. So um, I also have uh, top of the line Sennheiser headphones, right. the uh, HD 800 headphones. Uh, some people say they're the best headphones in the world. Uh, and then I also have a very high quality headphone amp. <clears throat> which has a, uh, a DAC built into it. So do you come digitally out of your um, laptop into the DAC so that you don't lose That's any? Right. 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 It's a, I have a USB uh, connection, you know, in, in the uh, headphone amp. So uh, I can just uh, do USB out from the computer to the headphone amp. Uh, okay. What is that? What, is, what make is it? The headphone amp, it's uh, headroom. Um, the headroom desktop amp. It's uh, made here in America. Right. And do you find that that makes an enormous difference to how you hear it all? Because, I mean, the with certainly with dance music production or other forms of music, the, 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 the kind of instinct is just to keep turning it up till it feels good. How do you mix? Do you mix at kind of low levels? I mean, do you vary your level? Because mixing on headphones is a very different experience to using speakers, although I do see mm-hmm. you have a, a, a fairly large speaker close to your head there as well. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, uh, headphones um, are, are much better for monitoring uh, my music than uh, speakers. Um, 
there's something about just getting closer to the music with headphones uh, where I can hear the details a lot a lot better. Um, as far as um, as far as uh, monitoring volume, um, I just go by the meters in my DAW. Um, you know, I want I want the music to be, especially since it's the whole uh, planet. So I want it to be as dynamic as possible. Um, so uh, I'm constantly trying to leave myself enough headroom to accommodate the, the loudest parts. Ah, that's an interest. That's that's interesting. So do you find that you get some way through a piece and then think I've got to scale everything back to meet that? Because I mean, I, it, mixing in the box, everybody says it's all about headroom and how much you leave to let the uh, the maths work, do its work properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, a continuous uh, process for me. But by, by the time I'm finished with the project, um, I pretty much uh, have have a maximum peak uh, around like negative one, just 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 below uh, zero. That's, I'm I'm really impressed by your uh, your discipline, actually, because that's <laughs> many people just drive the two bus or whatever bus. I mean, do you use any dynamic compression in there as well, just to sort of bring uh, the floor up? Yes, uh, uh, actually, I, I've kind of discovered that late in, in this uh, project, and um, I do apply that uh, at the, at, as a final touch after I've finished everything. Right, so it's on the mastering positions, the master right. point of mastering. Because I mean, look again, looking at the waveform, you're very yeah. restrained on that. I mean, that is dynamic, but it's also the main body of it is is you know it, there's plenty of level there as well. So it's kind of it's yeah. it's good to see. So the, once you when you what do you mix down to? What's your kind of what what resolution are you working at? Uh, well, I'm not too technical, uh, but I think I can answer your question. Um, I'm using um, 44.1 kilohertz, um, and um, let's see, uh, I believe it's 24-bit. Right, okay. Uh, that, that's what I worked with um, all throughout, but then the final uh, final cut, that uh, yeah. you know, it's a WAV file at 16-bit. Uh, 16, uh, okay. So uh, the other thing I was interested in is because some of these are incredibly complex arrangements, are you able to run the whole thing in in in, in live as it were, or do you have to bounce and freeze and and what have you? Uh, yeah, yeah. What the, the uh, I don't uh, have just one project. Uh, what I find works really well for me is um, I have uh, I have one final project. It's a master project which has um, various uh, audio clips uh, exported from all my other projects. So. Uh, Mars is broken down into about uh, six or eight different projects. Right. Um, you know, one project will be for like measures one through twenty, and then right, the next so, one. Ah, okay. So movements and and within those, are you able to run that in its entirety? Because I'm guessing each movement has its own set of instrumentation, doesn't it? So I suppose. That's right. Right. Uh, so, so for for a span of twenty measures, uh, I might use uh, thirty or forty different instances of software synthesizers. And that runs okay live. I mean, you're able to. to... Yeah. Wow, right. that's that's pretty impressive. Is that a testament to Sonar or just the power of your PC? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I don't think it, it's more of the power of my PC. Uh, I have a Pentium i5, which which is not the fastest you can get. But, well, that's uh, impressive. That it works on an i5. Well, 
how do you get the idea of the whole picture of the arrangement then? If you're working in separate bits, do you have to then automate, yeah. you automate the sections to create the, the, the overall dynamic? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, well, since, uh, since Mars is broken down into, uh, like six or eight audio clips, um, when I bring those audio clips into the master file, I have the flexibility to, um, adjust the levels of okay. each audio. And then also, um, you know, I, uh, I can, I can slide them around a little bit, but just so that, you know, just so that they, um, they fuse, uh, you know, that they, they transition well and, and fuse seamlessly. So what we're looking at the master, uh, a master document here, right? Yeah. So what, it looks actually very much like a mastering session. So you have various different segments, like like you said earlier, and they. Uh, what, mm-hmm. What's with the overlapping? Because do, do they actually re- need to be overlapped, or is that just you know tails and and, yeah. and lead-ins that you've got? Uh, well, it depends on how you want to do it. Uh, sometimes it's uh, actually helpful to overlap them, and it actually uh, makes your job a little bit simpler. Um, so, um, for example, in, in this case, if you look at these two clips here, this one and this one, um, they overlap. Uh-huh. And uh, the reason they overlap is um, for, for the first clip, uh, I did measures 1 through 19. You see the name of the clip. It says uh, Mars 1 through 19. Right. And then the second clip, I did measures 14 through 45. Um but uh, as far as 1 through 19 goes, um, you know, I, it, it logically continues. You know, I had, had to finish the phrasing uh, of, of, the very, of the parts that were included in, in this clip. Right, and in the tail and what have you. Yeah, I see. So continue all the way through uh, measure 19. So is, that, that, is, that, is that, um, that document there, is that a master tempo grid, or are you just line it up to get it kind of feeling right so that they overlap um, nicely, because if there's any tempo changes in the individual clips? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, well, in this case, I think they line up um, – well, actually, no. Uh, um, they, um, but it's not quantized, um, so if you, if you shift them around – Right, so you just kind of get them in the place that feels right. Exactly. Oh, okay. Which is nice. I mean, you have a lot more flexibility that way, and and you 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 really hit it uh, hit it right on. Um, if you have tempo changes, um, that can really screw things up. That's interesting because I mean, classical music uh, generally uh, most tape, even if you go right back to the Deutsche Grammophon stuff, it's made up of lots and lots and lots of takes, expertly edited together by the editors at the uh, at the mastering house or by the, 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 the overall producer of the record that says, yes, I want these bars from this one and this one because there may be, I don't know, a dog barking or somebody sneezing in the audience or somebody drops their violin case, whatever, you know so I'm guessing in, in, in a lot of ways you are following the same kind of well-trodden path but in a completely digital format yeah, and I don't need to use scissors or tape. No, thank goodness. Are you are you planning on tackling all of the planets, or are you gonna kind of, uh, are you kind of quit while you're ahead? I mean, what's your sort of? Do you want to finish the whole suite? Is that what you're hoping to do? Yeah, I have to finish finish the whole suite. You know, but you know, generally, you know, as a rule, you know, a whole set is much better than just a few parts of it. So. I, I had a, I had a sense that you might be a certain amount. There might be a certain amount of completist to your uh, to your personality there. So I'm, I'm guessing. That, so when are we going to? When do you think we'll we'll see um, them? Do you have you fixed a sort of point on the horizon where you think I want it done by then? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, next April. <clears throat> okay. Next April, and and what are you going to do with it? I mean, because it seems like oh, there's an enormous amount of work. I mean, on SoundCloud, you know, you, it's 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 offering for free download, but it just seems like there's there must be other outlets available to you to allow you to you know not necessarily monetize it, but keep you know you might want to buy a new laptop so you can keep doing. Do you know what I mean? It's more less about making an income, and you know, it, it just to fund your your habit, as it were. Yeah, well, okay, what am I going to do with it? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to listen to it right. and enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, I would really like to sell it. Um, I'm actually, uh, I've reached out to a, a local label here. Um, they're called Sadie Records. Um, but they are known worldwide. Uh, that's spelled S or, it's spelled C-E-D-I-L-L-E. Right. It's a Chicago-based label, and um, but they actually distribute um, also through Naxos. Ah, uh, okay. They're a big distrib- distribution company. Yeah, and um, the the uh, the manager I, I spoke with, um, he said it's not out of the question. So I'm still in the running, uh, and I just want if he could just hold on. <laughs> Yeah, if he would just listen to it, uh, I think he would be um, really impressed. Uh, it's just hard to get anybody to, to actually put well, aside. And also the thing is you can do these things yourself now. I mean, the self-publishing, you, I mean, there's also this Google Music. There's all sorts of ways that you can get this out there, and it's just a question of doing a bit of publicity. I mean, hopefully this will help um, spread the word, and you'll get some more interest as well. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's it, it's a fantastic project, and one that, you know, the thing about I used to listen to Holst uh, in my twenties because it's just it's kind of very accessible classical music, isn't it? It's got so many good tunes in it, and there's the uh, I'm just trying to think. I think I might have a clip here. Is it? Uh, I might have to press this. I'm not sure what will happen if I press this. Let me see if I can. Let me just see. Another great classical piece, and I think is it this one? There's one now. This was uh, also um, used by Frank Zappa, I believe, in a couple of, uh, of, of his orchestral oh. arrangements. So you're in very, very, uh, very sort of high company there. But I, I must say, Mike, I've, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I really do appreciate um, you spending time with us. I know it's very early. I can see the light is beginning to stream through your windows there, and, um, and I can hear that your dogs are obviously keen to, to get some attention from you. But I want to say thank you very much for joining us, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I wish you the best of luck with uh, the finishing this project. Well, thank you, Nick.